so we're going to talk this morning about brave communication. Okay? Come on, come on, come on. Has anybody ever heard the term before, brave communication? Yeah, we use it a lot. Uh, Karen uses it a lot with me. She's like, did you use brave communication? I said, no, I did not. <laughs> and, and sometimes when we think of brave communication, what is that? It kind of has a connotation behind it, right? And you may think of like, well, it's, you know, standing up for yourself when someone's trying to, uh, you know, push you around or, or, or maybe you're just uncomfortable in a situation so you stand up for yourself and that's brave communication. And that is true. That could be one form of it. I believe that's true, right? I would actually uh, say that brave communication could be defined as being confident enough to confront someone in their mess without pushing them outside a relationship, <laughs> brave communication could be defined as being confident enough to confront someone in their mess without pushing them outside of relationship. Yeah, but it's also, you're stuck in my arms, and I can call you out on something, but you're not leaving, and neither am I, right? This is really hard for us to do because a lot of times confrontation in our lives has always looked like this, this, and this, and you name it, right? You're like, hands were thrown, words were thrown. There definitely wasn't a solution, <laughs> right? So like anytime confrontation comes up, I'm like, where? I'll be over here, right? Or you're, you're, you're the opposite. It's like anytime confrontation comes, you're the first one to throw, because you're not going to get me, so I'll be the first one to throw. Now, we have to learn, and this, this comes up in my parenting all the time. Like, the way that I have learned how to parent, like, I look at Trent, right, and the way that I parented him, and then I look at the way that I parent Levi, who's my youngest, and Trent, I'm sorry that I messed you up, man. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out. You were kind of like an experiment. But, <laughs> and you know that I'm saying this, it, I'm joking. I love you. And, I, and I've gotten way better, yeah? I'm still not, I'm still not there yet. But I'm learning how to, how to discipline my kids by bringing them closer. That when, when correction comes, it doesn't mean that we break heart connection, right? That correction without connection is that... It's not actually that at all. It's actually the, the opposite example. That when we correct people, or like when, if you correct me, if you have a correction for me in my life, that's fine, but I want you to do it while you hug me. <laughs> you know? And, and I mean that, I mean that metaphorically, but like really though, like I want you to bring me, like if you have something to correct in my life, bring me closer. And I want to do that the same way. Like people in my life, like, there's people I want to say things to, but I'm waiting for the moment. Like, I can't do it over the phone. I need you close. Do you see what I'm saying? This is brave communication. And, you know, so often it's scary because the only examples that we've had in our lives have been dysfunctional. And how many of you guys want to get better at this? You, like, I want Jesus, teach me how to have brave communication. Teach me how to confront people, how to confront myself in these moments, right? 
I would say that uh, brave communication could also be defined as the loving words, catch this, the loving words of a powerful person who finds it necessary to proclaim their needs, expectations, and position in a relationship while being willing to reciprocate listening to the other. I, I, I love this statement because uh, I was once, uh, Kimberly and I were in a marriage class, and the teacher was saying, hey, when, when it's time for us to have, uh, you know, an, an argument or, or we're, we're talking through something, we don't say, hey, let's sit down, I need to talk to you. We say, hey, can we sit down and listen to each other? Doesn't that change the whole context of the conversation? Like, no, I'm not here to talk to you. I'm here to listen and be listened to. This is the basis for relationship. This is everything that God has planned for us, right? And we see it in the Trinity. In the, if, if you come to this church and this is your home, you have to understand the Trinity is the ultimate revelation of love. It is the ultimate revelation of relationship, Right? is the ultimate revelation of honor and what it looks like for us to be in community. That the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all in this divine love and then welcome us into it to learn and then love one another as we have been loved. Amen? This is a beautiful example of what it looks like. And I'm learning. How many guys are learning? Yeah? I mean, some of us, our communication style is aggressive. Some of it is passive aggressive. Some of it is just passive. Right? Any, uh, any road ragers in the room? <laughs> now, I'm not calling nobody out. I'm just saying road rage is a form of passive aggression. Okay? I'm inside this box. You cannot get me. I would never say things outside of this box that I will say in them. You're over there, I'm over here, and I get to say whatever I want. That's passive aggression. And it's a sign that in a lot of ways in our lives, we don't feel heard. Because it's like in this setting, I get to say whatever I want and I'm heard. It's me listening, but I'm heard, <laughs> right? And it's just another form of it. So we have to understand that, like, is, do I, in my life, do I feel heard? And if I feel heard, then I can also be a listener to others. Does this make sense? But it all starts, and sometimes we look to be heard by people. It's like, I want anybody, listen to me, anybody, somebody, please, right? But it's not until we sit down and rest and know that we are heard by the only ears that actually matter and that we have relationship and we get to hear the words from the only one that actually matters. This is where it's at. This is where true relationship starts. It's always been like this and it will always be like this. Are you listening? Come on, church. I'm going to ask you again. Are you listening? And are you speaking to the one who actually is listening? Because the desire to be noticed is not evil in itself, right? The desire to want someone to notice you is not evil, but it's who you seek to be desired and noticed by and how you go about getting that attention 
that becomes messed up for us. Does it make sense? It's when, God, I want you to notice me. He's like, I notice you. I know everything about you. I see you. I hear you. God, I want you to notice me. I'm here. I never leave. We're face to face. You can hear my voice. Right? That's beautiful. That's what relationship and what we're designed for. It's never prideful to say, God, notice me. He notices you. He's a good dad. Right? James 1 says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. It does not say, be quick to speak and slow to listen. How many of you guys have ever been in a conversation where someone asks you for advice, and then you begin to answer them, and they keep talking? I've been that person before. <laughs> Come on, how many guys can relate? Or, or maybe, maybe you do that to other people, and you don't even realize it. And you ask the question, and you're like, but it really, it kind of shows deep down, like, do we really want an answer? Or do we just want empathy? Because compassion for someone will always present a solution. Empathy will get you to sit in the mud. No, for real. Empathy, if you're seeking empathy from people, it'll say, hey, come sit with me in this. But if you're seeking compassion from others, it will create you to listen to a solution that they present. This is the nature of relationship, but it's so hard because we have to trust people to put ourselves in that situation. I have to trust the God, right, the Holy Spirit in you, that when I come to you asking for a solution, that I trust the Holy Spirit in you to actually speak, and then I can confirm it through his word, right, through other people. How many guys know that brave communication starts with what? What would you say? Brave communication starts with listening. In order to be a brave communicator, I have to be a brave listener. I have to like be willing to ask the question and sit and listen long enough to actually receive it. Yeah? Are you guys with me? Brave communication starts with brave listening. How many of you guys have seen the book uh, of Eli? You know the movie, The Book of Eli? Put your hands in the air if you've seen The Book of Eli. And if you haven't, put your hands in the air. No, for real, if you haven't, it's about half the room. Jeez, we should really do a movie night. I know, I, I completely ruined the movie, but here's the deal. If a movie, if, if the movie is 10 years or older, I have every right to ruin it for you. It's like, if you haven't seen it by now, come on. So I'm sorry. But here's the cool thing. This movie is so good. I'm going to spoil it for right for you. I'm going to spoil it for you right now. And you're going to watch it. You'll be like, it's still, it's still a dope movie. Can we get the, uh, the movie poster up? So a lot of you guys may know that I don't know if y'all knew we had a celebrity in the building. Sinclair Garvin starring in the book of Eli. Where's he at, man? Don't hide, bro. Just wave. Hey, 
we need you just be at the connect desk, sign autographs if anybody wants after church. No, it's actually Denzel in this movie. Um, but awesome movie. All right, you ready for me to spoil it for you now? You ready? Okay. So Eli is blind. Eli is blind. Look, a lot of y'all may see the movie and you like not even realize that Eli is blind. Okay, so Eli is blind, and there's a, a, a bomb which they call the Flash. They refer to it as the Flash, and it's kind of in this post-apocalyptic world, and I say it's like a mix between Mad Max and Tombstone, right? Two of my favorite movies. I'm an 80s baby, so Tombstone and Mad Max. Think about those two movies. You put them together, and then you put a Bible in the middle of it. What do you have? It's Book of Eli, okay? So... Eli is blind, and if you're blind, what kind of book do you read? Braille. Braille. Somebody seemed to think it was Morris Code last service. <laughs> it's Braille. So, <laughs> and I know it's not Morris, it's Morse. So Eli has this Braille Bible, and he's been reading the Bible all of his life in Braille, okay? So this flash happens. The world is in this post-apocalyptic setting, and Eli hears the word of God, and he tells Eli, I need you to take this Bible, go across the country, and bring it to a place which I tell you, Okay? Now, what most people don't know is that Eli says yes to this call, and he gets his sight back, and then he's equipped, and he's got this giant knife, right? And he's not trying to start no trouble, but he does believe in self-defense, and if you try and stop him from delivering this Bible across the country, he will cut you. <laughs> so, Eli goes. He's got, all of a sudden, he can see. And this will preach. I mean, how many of you guys know that as soon as you hear the word of God in your life, all of a sudden you have eyes to see where you're going. All of a sudden the provision of what you think was your handicap now becomes your strength. And your ears are tuned in because he lived his entire life without being able to see. So his ears were tuned in to everything around him and his senses were even heightened as he went on this journey. You guys with me? I'm excited right now. I apologize. This movie is awesome. So he goes on this journey, and he actually ends up getting into all kinds of trouble and gets hurt, and, and he ends up giving the Bible away to this guy that wanted to steal it from him. Why would he give the Bible away? God told him to take this Braille Bible all the way across the country to probably someone that wouldn't be able to read it anyway. So he gives it away towards the end of the movie. And then what we see later on is that Eli is in the place where he was supposed to bring it to, and he's reciting it word for word. He's read this Bible so many times in Braille that he, he knows it word for word. And begins to recite it. And it's kind of like James Warner. It's like, 
receive the word implanted in you. Do not just be a hearer. Don't be a forgetful hearer, but be an effectual doer. And he begins to recite every single word, every single verse. He knows it, the whole Bible by heart. And then they type it up. The guy is writing and transcribing every single word that he says, and then they print up the only Bible that they have in this post-apocalyptic world. And how many of you guys know what the Bible says? We walk by faith and not by, and, and faith comes what? By hearing. Hearing what? The word. What kind of word is that? Rhema. The word of Christ, it says. We walk by faith, not by sight. And faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. So therefore, if I need to see where I'm going, I need ears to see. How many of you guys are with me right now? You can't see where you're going if you don't hear the Lord. I need to hear your voice, Jesus. I need to hear your voice, Father. Holy Spirit, speak to me because I don't know where I'm going without it. Look, I could be in a dark room, pitch black, and you be at the end of the room, and you tell me, hey, just walk this way, I'll get to you. What you guys don't know is that I'm here all the time, and it's pitch black in this room, right? And especially when you come in, I make coffee in the morning. It's bright out there. As soon as I step in here, I cannot see anything. So what I've done is I've actually I counted the steps. Okay, like how many steps does it take to get to that aisle? And then I, okay, if I walk down this aisle and I walk straight, it's this many steps to the carpet. And I don't turn on the light. And I don't spill my coffee either. <laughs> I don't spill my coffee. That's one of the things you don't, it's foul. Okay? And then, but then Sinclair, let's say like Sinclair just started hanging out here at the church more often. And if I'm over here and Sinclair's at the end of the aisle, I could say, hey, just, just follow my voice. And it could be pitch black in here, but he could get to me, right? It's when we hear, we have all of a sudden, we have eyes to see. And you guys know like in the dark, you ever walked like pitch black and you just imagine stuff that's not even there? I'm not even talking about scary stuff. I'm just talking about like an imaginary bookshelf that you might bump your head on. You, you ever like walk or like you out some and it's like there's I know there's nothing there, but why am I why am I trying to duck something that's not there? And I feel like sometimes this is how we walk as Christians without the voice of God. It's like if I don't have the voice of God leading me and, get, and, and speaking peace to me, giving me vision, it's like how do I actually walk this out? Now I'm not trying to, this is, this is not a condemning message. This is not a message to, to make you feel like, oh, I, I don't hear the voice of God, so I can't do this. No, this is a call to sit and listen. This is a call to position your heart and posture yourself in a, in a place, in a way that you begin to hear his voice like never before, where relationship, right? Because there's a lot of us that we say we know God or we may know a, 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 about Jesus, but do we actually hear his voice? Do we actually know him? Do we actually hear his voice? Are we actually waking up in the morning and saying, What's next, Papa? 
Because it's not like his voice is more available to me than it is to you. That's ridiculous. It's the same voice. It's the same Holy Spirit that is in you, that is in me, that raised Jesus from the dead. Right? It's the same voice. It's the same availability. You think like he says to me, oh, Travis, I'm going to speak to you more than D? No. It's just I posture my heart in a position, right? Every morning, Papa, what's next? Jesus, show me what's next. With anticipation, with excitement in my heart, Papa, what's next? What are you going to do next, right? Who are you going to put in front of me next? Who are you going to heal next? I just got a testimony this morning that just shook my heart. I was led to a guy yesterday that I was able to pray for every day. And sometimes we're like, God, would you send me to the nations, right? But you won't actually go to Walmart and pray for someone. He's like, there's a sale in aisle eight. And there's somebody that needs their back healed right there in that same aisle. When you're going, doing your back-to-school shopping, there, there's somebody there that needs help. There's someone around you that's thinking about suicide. There's someone around you that, that needs $20 for their kids' supplies. There's a single mom at the gas tank next to you who's putting $3 in a tank. Are we listening? Are we listening? Papa, what's next? And he's saying, look, my daughter's right there. She needs help. Will you help her? My son over here, he's been on the street for 20 years, and people just disregard him. He used to be a banker. Are you listening, church? The word implanted in Eli, he said yes to delivering. The word implanted in you today, the word implanted, the word written on your heart, right? The word of Christ, the law of liberty that has been written on your heart has been implanted in you. Will you deliver it? Will you deliver it? John 16, Jesus is about to be captured. That's what he tells his disciples in verse 12. I have so much more to say to you. Everybody close your eyes with me right now. I have so much more to say to you. More than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit only speaks what the Father tells him. The three persons of the Trinity are in perfect unity, in perfect relationship, and they are available to you. They want to speak to you. They want to sit with you. To be a brave communicator, you must be a brave 
listener. And brave listeners make brave communicators, right? I want you guys to go back to James with me real quick. Let's, let's close up here. Let's close up here. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. I feel like this scripture has been used sometimes to promote a works-based salvation, and it's not at all what it's saying. It's saying that when we receive the word implanted, there is a response from our hearts. And that can come out in songs, in evangelism. It can come out in all different ways, right? It can be delivered in a wide array of expression, yes? And that word doer, but an effectual doer. Do you guys know what that word is in the Greek? I know I'm asking the crazy question. It, it, it's, it's the word poeta. And it's where we get the word poet from. So don't, you just, don't just be like a forgetful hearer, but be an effectual poet of his love, of the word that has been implanted in you. Think about the book of Eli. He takes his Bible across, memorizes the word implanted, and begins to recite as this guy is writing every single word that he says, as an effectual poet, right? As an effectual poet that he was not a forgetful hearer or reader of the word, but he received it, memorized it, and then recited it. And in the same way, you can do the same right now, that the Holy Spirit implanted in you, the word of God, Jesus implanted in you. There's a mission and I'll tell you this, when he first starts speaking to you, he may not give you things to do right away. He may say, son, daughter, just sit. Just be still and let me love you. I think that's where it starts. Because I'm in a place in my life where I want to do and be an effectual poet, but knowing that Jesus is right there doing it with me. And, and a lot of you guys know that too, but I feel like sometimes we just go ahead and we just do stuff we think pleases him. But it all stems from a place where I sit and be still and say, Papa, when you look at me, what do you see? My entire life has been transformed by that question. Have you ever asked that? Jesus, when you look at me, what do you see? Because it's only when we are rooted, firm, in our foundation of who we are, of identity, right? When we know who we are, then we could take the mission. Why? Did God speak to Eli in this movie? Because he knew who he was. He knew who he was speaking to. That's my son. I know that if I give him this word, that he will say yes. This 
son knows my voice. Why? I, I, and I, I question sometimes, God, why, why are you giving me this vision for Green Valley High School? And God's like, well, you're my son, and I know you'll say yes. And I know that we'll do it together. And I know that you'll bring other sons and daughters alongside you in the process. And I know that you'll bring more sons and daughters into the kingdom. And I know that you'll use Elijah and David to love on, on these kids that are going to come in into our community. This is the biggest thing. I'm telling you guys right now, this is the biggest project I have ever worked on in my life. And I know it's just the beginning. Sinclair, Megan, Kimberly, this is just the beginning of something. This is a launch pad for something far greater than what we understand. Rochelle and Zach, if you're listening <laughs> from London, you guys have created a place where people can hear the voice of God and know that it's possible to walk it out. And that's just not, that's not just for me, that's for you guys too. As you get into community here and you start asking Papa what's next, expect an answer, right? Expect that there's something amazing for you to do in this city and we want to get behind you. But that only happens through relationship. It doesn't mean like you come with an idea and it's like, oh yeah, let's, let's do that next week. No, it takes time. We need to cultivate relationship and community with each other, right? But we want to get behind you. So <clears throat> I would just ask right now in this moment, everybody close their eyes, put out your hands. Just put out your hands. First and foremost, say, Father, when you look at me, what do you see? Thank you, Lord. You are my beloved children, and who I am well pleased. I see treasure in you. I will never demean you or put you down. And I wish that you would stop doing it to yourself. If you only knew the way I see you. When I look at you, church, when I look at you, I see a beautiful bride. If you could only see yourself the way that I see you, that you would be able to walk in a new confidence. You'd illuminate this city. When we ask that question, he reveals identity. It always, for me, every time I ask that question, it's always... Beloved, my son, it always stems from that place. 
beloved, my son. I'm so pleased with you. And it's then in that place of knowing who we are that we can actually ask, what's next, Papa? Because if he gives me something to do without me knowing who I am, I can't execute that properly. I need confidence, Lord, from you. My strength, my confidence, everything comes from you, Lord. And it's when I hear your voice speaking the treasure over me that you see that I can then ask the next question, what's next, Papa? And then I can be an effectual poet. I can be a poet of your goodness, of your grace in my life to every single person around me. And it doesn't mean that I, we don't forget sometimes. Sometimes we forget what we have heard. We forget the word that has been planted in us sometimes. But the crazy thing about this is that he's not mad at you. He's saying, come back to me and let me tell you again. Let me remind you. Let me remind you who you are. Let me remind you who I am. And I love that song that we were singing. I am who he says I am, and he is who he says he is. I need to be reminded. Come on, I don't know if I'm the only one in the house say I just need to be reminded who you are and who I am in you, Lord. Show me. Church, I pray that busyness would not be an excuse. that meeting with you face-to-face, hearing the whisper of your voice would be the foundation for everything we do. That not a day would go by where we would not ask, Father, when you look at me, what do you see? And Papa, what's next? I just believe that even though this feels like a moment of contemplation. There is so much happening in the hearts of his people right now. There is transformation happening right now in your hearts. That as he reveals, this is going to become a way of life for you. I'm telling you right now, if you will sit and speak to him and set time aside for these kind of moments, you don't need a teacher. Now, I'm not saying that we, look, we, we love congregating and hearing the word of God, but I'm telling you right now, if you will cultivate this kind of relationship with him, he will teach you all things. 